Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's always... It's always football season here at VSIN, which is why we've already released our NFL betting guide. Our NFL betting guide will help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season with in-depth profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends, plus best bets on the season, win totals, futures, and props. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 a month and get your digital copy of the VSIN NFL betting guide or take advantage of the summer kickoff special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. Sign up today at VSIN.com backslash subscribe. Welcome back into a Tuesday edition of Sharp Money here. I'm Mike Samich. We've got Amal Shaw and Dustin Swedelson joining us from Las Vegas, the beautiful South Point Resort and Casino. And on the line now, we got Barrett Salee, CBS College Sports Football Writer, at Barrett Salee on Twitter. Barrett, thank you very much for joining us today. I know it's been a, a busy couple days with everything coming out of Northwestern. Let's start out there. How did we get here from what happened on Friday? I, a lot of people came out of the woodwork, right? I mean, the two-week suspension on Friday kind of you know, surprised a lot of us. And then it, it almost felt like they were trying to walk that back. And then, bam, you know, everything started coming to light. So it's been poorly handled all around. You know, Pat Fitzgerald, obviously, it's been poorly handled by him. But I think for the entire Northwestern administration, they kind of got caught with their hand side. They didn't know what to do. Um, and, and when... They they had the two week suspension. Looking back, it's almost like they wanted to find every way to keep Pat Fitzgerald and didn't think that this would be dug into any longer. I guess they forgot that their journalism school was the best in the country <laughs> because, of course, now the student newspaper comes out and and uh, and brings all this to light. So poorly handled all around. Uh, but I think the the biggest thing is that Northwestern just assumed that they could get away with the two week suspension. And clearly that was not the case. Barrett, I said college football uh, coaches know more about their programs than dictators know about their own countries. Are you surprised mm -hmm. to see some of these things still continuing on after we've what we've seen at New Mexico State, among other programs elsewhere? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because like you said, you know, we've, we've got a precedent for this, you know, basketball, New Mexico is obviously a, a huge deal at, at New Mexico state. Um, we've seen 
other instances of, of mistreatment of players to, to various degrees in various ways, right. With various outcomes. And, and I don't want to get into comparing one to the other, because some of those are very serious, more serious than what we've had right now. Uh, but yes, I think the idea that hazing should exist to this point, it's, it's not reality in this day and age. It just can't happen in this day and age. Uh, if you want to play some jokes on the youngsters, fine. You know, I, I know in Major League Baseball, sometimes the Braves rookies have to walk to the bullpen with pink backpack, my little pony backpacks on. Sure, fine, whatever. Um, you know, I, I think, but going to this degree, you know, uh, let's take aside, let's take away whether it's right or wrong to have that kind of hazing. It's just dumb because you know you're going to get caught regardless now. And me personally, you know, this stuff should not happen. And and I'm glad they're going to put a stop to it. And, and a lot of schools have put a stop to it. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? You know, A, from a human perspective, you shouldn't yeah. do it. But even if you don't care, <laughs> you know, you're you're going to get caught regardless. Talking to Barrett Salee here, CBS college football writer at Barrett Salee on Twitter. Join us talking everything college football here. And one of the things you tweeted out recently was this Northwestern job was an attractive job. It'd be interesting mm -hmm. to see what they happen moving forward here. Amal and I disagree on this. I don't think it's a very good job, specifically in this NIL landscape. Uh, convince me why this is such a good job here at Northwestern that's now opened up. Well, I disagree with you, the NIL uh, landscape, although I will say that that's not the primary reason, but you're in the heart of Chicago. Chicago in the your suburbs of Chicago. Uh, you're in a very, very rich area of Chicago. You have very, very rich alumni. So if you become a decent program, you're going to get a lot of NIL money. Now, that's not the primary reason, though. To me, the Big Ten money that is going to start kicking in in the new TV deal is huge because you're going to be able to, whether you're Northwestern, whether you're Ohio State, doesn't matter, you're going to be able to devote way more resources than anybody else in the country right this very second. Um, now, the SEC is going to join that fray as well, but the the ability to win, to lure coaches, to build better facilities, and for Northwestern, they don't even need to build a better facility for practice. They live in, that's like a palace over there on the lake. Um, football stadium, yes, they need some help there, but it's a very attractive job because it's a Big Ten job, and they've already shown that they the desire to play and win at an elite level because, like I said, that football facility there is the nicest in the country. Um, and then beyond that, you know, if you're and and when you're a, a Power Five coach, if you're Matt Campbell at Iowa State in the Big Twelve, if you're Mike Elko in the ACC and the uh, at Duke, why would you not want to go after a program, a, a job like that? where you know you already have the dedication, and then you're going to have even more resources than, than you know what to do with from a financial standpoint. So it's a good job. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a coach at a place where, you know, you, you kind of can't win a national championship, why not do that at, at Northwestern, where you've got a lot of positive ways to improve your life from a financial standpoint and the players' lives from not only a financial standpoint, but also uh, from a training standpoint. Love the breakdown there. I, I would agree with you completely. You're a huge college football guy just like myself. Let's get into this. Well, let me ask you this question. Kirby Smart couldn't uh, schedule the Valdosta Wildcats. Is that why they're not on the schedule this year? I mean, this is the biggest criminal joke of a schedule I've ever seen in the history of college football. I, I mean, they play one team, Barrett, that's got a season win total over seven and a half. That's on Rocky Top only because of the rivalry. 
Yes. Um, part of this is not at Georgia's fault. They had I, I Oklahoma know. on the I roster. Know. You know, so, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, okay, had the SEC move not happened, it'd be Oklahoma. Um, the rest, really, are they, is it Georgia's fault that everybody else in the East is terrible? I mean, yeah, for 60 minutes a season it is, but, you know, it's not their fault that th their division is, is terrible, and they have to play those teams. They do have a, a rotator in Ole Miss yep. that I think is is pretty good. It's not their fault they are not playing Alabama. <laughs> you know, that's just the way the rotation works. Um, and it's not it's it's not their fault Georgia Tech's a train wreck. And you know, so I see this, and I'm not going to necessarily make excuses. Well, maybe I am going to make excuses. They should be playing Oklahoma through no fault of their own. That game got canceled. They are playing Georgia Tech as they do every single year. They're playing 10 power five opponents total, or they should be playing 10 power five opponents. It's only nine through no fault of Georgia's own and the out of conference one that they still have on the schedule is awful. So, I mean, I, I, I get this question a lot. And my, my response is, you know, what did you want them to do? Like, there's nothing they could have done. I mean, there's obviously some things they could have done, but they're, they're going to have two power. If they think they're going to have two power five opponents on their schedule, one of them is an almost annual college football playoff contender. I mean, the effort was there. I mean, I, I just, I, how can you fault them for the fact that they just, it, bad luck happened? No, you make a great argument, and you're correct in everything you said. I'm just a little bit annoyed still probably because Ryan Day didn't go for it on fourth and one at the 34-yard line, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, but the, I get that 100%. But the, but the reality of it is, to me, here's the one thing that I said I propose. I think Georgia's going undefeated. Their season win total is at 11 and 11 and a half okay. at different places. I don't see the possibility of having two losses on the schedule. Their furthest game this year by car is Nashville. And the reality of it is they don't have any difficulty in travel. But let me ask you this. If they lose to Alabama or LSU or anyone else in the SEC title game, SC potentially undefeated, Michigan, Ohio State, mean in Ann Arbor at 11-0, is there a chance that Georgia, with this anemic schedule, loses the SEC but doesn't get into the playoff? No. And look, here's the thing. I always like to couch every playoff discussion in July as we'll see how the landscape evolves. Sure. If Georgia has one loss and it's in the SEC championship game, it's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Whether people like that or not, two straight national championships is going to get them the benefit of the doubt, even if it's subconsciously in the minds of, of the playoff selection committee. I, I don't think that should be the case. I view every season as a an individual yeah. season and throw out everything happened uh, in previous season. That's what I love college football. That's part of the reason I think it's fa a fantastic sport um, is because you can have those arguments all season long and people approach them in different ways. Uh, but the reality is, yes, if Georgia loses an SEC championship game and that's the only loss they'll get in. And, and some of the, the reason part of the explanation will probably be, Oh, well, they played their way into a, a bonus game in which they lost. I mean, that's great. It, stuff. Whether you think that's a good, you know, that whether you think that's the right way to approach it or not, that's going to be one way to approach it. Great stuff. Bear. Really appreciate you jumping in here. Barrett Slee, CBS college sports football, right? You can check him out at Barrett Slee on Twitter. I'm glad you were able to set them all straight on this Georgia thing. They're going to get into that playoff, even if they lose that SEC title game. <laughs> we might have to have yes, you back are. on if they don't, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll be back uh, after this break on Sharp Money. Talk a little about uh, Dustin's future tickets and which ones are dead and which ones are alive.
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back into Sharp Money here. Mike Samich filling in for Patrick Maher. We've got Amal Shaw and Dustin Swedelson there in South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Rolling along here with hour two of Sharp Money. And bringing in one of my favorite guests to listen to, Zach Harper, the athletic NBA writer at Talk Hoops on Twitter. One of the busiest mans out there. He has three different podcasts going. Count the Dings, the athletic NBA show, and Cinephobe. And just got back. Are you currently in Vegas for Summer League? You still out there? No, I got back yesterday. I I I foolishly went there like two days before with my girlfriend. We were like, oh, we'll get a couple of days, you know, just have, you know, we needed a little bit of time. And that was like six, seven days in Vegas. No offense to anyone who lives there. That's hell. It's just too much. Well, you got the Vegas voice going there, yeah, Zach. Exactly. I love it. No, yeah, tell us about yeah, the summer is about experience. as good as it gets. <laughs> tell uh, us I mean, about the summer experience. I was go for it. Yeah, so some of these great, man. Like I, like I've been going for like I think my first one was 2009. So like I, like it, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran of this thing at this point. But you know, you get in there, you start talking to people. All of a sudden, you realize nobody's watching the basketball, and then everybody's watching basketball because Victor Wembanyama's there, and it's just one blur into another. It all blends together. I couldn't tell you if if you know Tyreek Evans made his his summer league debut 2 years ago or 14 years ago I don't know at this point it all blends together into one big moment of me just giving away money 
<laughs> Zach, the Summer League feels like one of two things for me. It's for a lot of fans that may not be able to access or have the affordability to go to an NBA game. And then the second thing is it's like the Final Four. It's just basically like a coach's conference and an opportunity for people to network and kind of catch up with people they may not see during the regular year. Is there anything more to it than that? Obviously, Warren Legary's making some money with it. But other than that, I feel like this is just kind of a like a showcase of nothing, really. Yeah, I mean, like there are, I think, you know, there are, there are people who are legitimately carving out careers, both off the court and on the court, right? Yeah. Like someone may get an invite that they weren't going to get, or someone may get noticed by, by an international team. They're like, that's the thing. It's not just about the NBA. Like there is a lot of international influence. One, one thing I found out years ago, this must've been six, seven years ago, which I didn't know before. And I don't know if it's actually still happening, but apparently like it might be like the Korean basketball league or the Taiwanese basketball league. It's like one of these international basketball leagues over in Asia. They do like a draft at the end of summer league or, or maybe during summer league, but they'll pick like, okay, like, yeah, we drafted Wemben Yama, right? Like knowing they won't get him, but just on the off chance that he decides someday, yeah, I'll go to Korea. I'll go play in Korea. Like some teams is like, we got him. We're going to dominate this thing. So there's just all these like little, these little instances of basketball culture and basketball adjacent things happening at all times. But it is most an excuse for the NBA to say, what if we spent 12 days in Vegas? How badly could that go? <laughs> no, let's just have a little bit of fun there. Why not? Right. Let's, let's talk about two of the guys in Vegas. We just had a discussion around rookie of the year. And obviously that centers around Victor Wimbanyama, a minus 220, minus 250 in a lot of the markets around town. I watched both the summer league games from Hawaii. The wife was not happy with that decision for me, but I had to do it. Cause I wanted to see him play my biggest takeaway man, I'm scared. He's going to get hurt. It looked like he fell five or six times, just kind of awkwardly after trying to block a shot or after going toward the hoop. What was your takeaways from seeing Victor play? Uh, yeah. I mean, he fought like, I just, I think tall people fall, you know, like, I know, like that's may not be great analysis, <laughs> but I think tall people just fall a lot more than, than we, than we do. And look, I, I'm not really worried about him getting injured. He, he does a lot of prep. He's been doing a lot of prep for his body. That has been very progressive and, and kind of new age. And, and he, you know, he does these barefoot workouts to make sure his feet are strong before the game and everything. Like he, like he's, he's doing as much prep as you can to stay you know, to stay healthy and to, and to make sure that nothing goes wrong. It doesn't mean nothing will go wrong, but I don't expect him to have the same possibilities of injury as big men of the past because of the way he's been handled from a young age. But I just walked away thinking this guy is awesome. I know he struggled to shoot the ball in game one. He like, he had a bad game and had five blocks. He dropped like five or six dimes that, that we didn't, didn't see and didn't expect out of him. He didn't show that much until kind of the playoffs in France. You know, once the shot was going, you realize nobody can block it. Like he's going to draw so many fouls on jumpers because people are trying to contest it best they can. And you, and you just can't get to that reach. Like it's, it's just impossible. And so I think at worst, he's going to draw a ton of fouls. He's going to get some easy buckets here and there. He's going to rebound really well. He's going to defend incredibly well. And as long as he stays healthy, which is always going to be, you know, a, a big question for guys, his size, but as long as he stays healthy, I don't think there's a downside to him at all. Like I do think he is absolutely foolproof, but does that mean he's going to be the greatest prospect ever? No, it just means like they have a star no matter what happens. Love everything you said about him. And, and you know, I agree with Mike. I don't think this is a great bet on rookie of the year for him, but I'll tell you what, at 35 to one at DraftKings to win defensive player of the year, Zach, I think, and you guys both play basketball. You played basketball. You understand that when you play someone who is so long and so tall, 
to shoot over them. I'm 6'2", and if I'm being guarded by somebody who's 6'7", it is hard to get a clean look off. Now you're guarded by somebody who's 7'5", with that wingspan. The alteration and the shot blocking off the ball is unbelievable. I, I think if you genuinely look at the way he can change your defense on balls on help side, my, uh, Zach, to me, it's going to be huge. Oh, I mean, look, I was talking to a, you know, a, a scout and a couple of executives, and and they were saying, like, you know, Spurs might have a top 10 defense this year. I was like, get out of here. Come on. They're way too young for that. And like, now they might. Like, he might be that impactful defensively. Uh, I remember the first time. I I tried to shoot a shoot a shot a three point shot over a guy who's seven one, and uh, and it felt like I was trying to like throw the ball to the sky like just like <laughs> try to hit the sun with it, right like that's what it <laughs> felt like because it is just I mean granted like I'm six foot so it's like it's there's a huge disparity there some of these guys are going to be much taller but his it's not just that his it's his reach and it's his um and it's his length and everything it's the timing. He just understands like there is an innate thing. It's like Jaron Jackson Jr. with blocking shots. He blocks so many shots before the ball releases from the hand. And it, and it's why I think he's, you know, deserving of defensive player of the year last year. I think it was the right decision because that timing changes everything. I think Victor has the same stuff. Like, yeah, they're going to be a bunch that he just puts a hand up and gets a fingertip on. And you're, you're wondering like, how did he go away with that? But he legitimately could block four shots a game just by accident, just by like a lazy closeout. Like, you know, that, you know, that BS Luke Cornette jumping <laughs> from the paint when there's no, like, and people are like, Oh, it's an interesting strategy. Like, no, it's bad defense. Like, that's what it is. It's not actually it, like Ika Koro misses a three point shot. We're like, Oh, it works. It's like, no, it's just Ika Koro shooting the ball. Like that's why it happened. He may actually block those shots. He may get called for goaltending because he jumped from in the paint and got it on the way down. That's how, that's how ridiculous his length is. I to your point on the goaltending, though, I think there's a couple of factors. I think he might initially get called for more goaltendings than he deserves. But then on the other side, I think he might get away with some because he is so hard to gauge. I don't know what a standing reach is mm -hmm. vertically, but I have to tell you, you, you brought up a great analogy about shooting over someone 7 1. It's, it's not only is he long. Right, like a Rudy, Rudy Gobert is what six eleven, seven feet tall. He's got great length, but now you add five inches, and I think he's got some great agility. I, I think it's going to be a real challenge when you look at how he can alter shots. I, I wish, and I'm sure they'll quantify it from an analytic standpoint. But the amount of impact guys that he's going to have from shot alteration, Mike, to me, it's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, he he is going to make it very difficult to get inside the paint against the San Antonio team and, and get a shot up around the rim. We saw one player be able to do that, and that was in a showcase game. Scoot Henderson took him on and went to the rim against him multiple times. I thought Scoot looked phenomenal in the game that we saw at Summer League as well. Zach, what were your takes on Scoot? How explosive was he in person? He's so good. <laughs> he is so unbelievably good. Like I get that. I get the Blazers. Like, look, we got to slow play this. We got to make sure we get the right package for Dame and everything. I understand that it's good business. It's the right thing. Do not alter the development of Scoot. Like, give him as many minutes, as much of the of the reins as you possibly can. Like, he's just he understands the flow of a game so well, the speed of the game. Like, yeah, he's strong. He's athletic. He's skilled his ability to change speeds at the drop of a hat. Like, I mean, it, his, his ability to attack. It's why he was able to get shots off inside against Victor. I don't think he'll have any problem against NBA length and NBA athleticism because he just know like he is. It's like, if you gave Mike Conley, 
the body of a linebacker and and the athleticism of like you know maybe Russell Westbrook after two knee surgeries right like he's just he's so special his body control is so good and and watching him just be able to to completely dictate the flow of a game. Like he's the real deal. He's going to be a superstar. He'll be a top 10 point guard in, in a couple of years. And, and just like, what a fine for the blazers. Like, that's why you tank folks. That's why you quit on the season two years in a row while you claim that you're committed to winning. It's to get someone like Scoot Henderson. I, I never disagreed with Sam Hankey's plan in, in Philadelphia. They just wound up with the two softest guys in the world, Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. <laughs> it was actually the most I'm telling you, Zach, I don't understand if you're not an NBA championship team, and that's the greatest thing about sports. Either you win or you're like the other 29 teams. You're a loser. And to me, you should be tanking if you don't have those pieces in place. Now San Antonio could theoretically build around what they have here. Uh, Getting back to Henderson real quick, in terms of quickness, is he De'Aaron Fox level quick? Where are we talking in terms of quickness with the basketball? I think it is in relative, like he's slow. He, I don't know if anyone's quick. But I think because of the strength, I because I think because once he, once he accelerates and you, he turns his shoulder on you, there's nothing you can do. Like there's just, there's just nothing like you have to foul him. You're not going to recover on those moments. It, it's almost, it's very, his, his body language and, and the way he uses his body to his advantage. It's, it's very Luca and Paul Pierce, like in, in the sense that like, just once he gets the angle on you, you're screwed. Like you can't recover because he's too strong and too quick and, and too athletic. I, I said Scoot was going to be first team all NBA within five seasons on draft day. I still believe that he is that good and that, that dominant he's Derek Rose esque yeah. to me. And I think Ooh. he's going to find that jumper because he is one of those guys who loves to live in the gym. Zach, you want to stick around for one more segment with us? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. We can talk about your favorite thing. We can talk a little bit, uh, a little bit of Dame after the segment here and what's going on there in Portland as well. We'll be right back here on sharp money. Got, uh, got our boy. Uh, we, we got our boy, Zach Harper here from the athletic NBA. One more segment with him. This is sharp money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today, and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonus instantly. Use promo code VSIN, V S I N, when you sign up. See DraftKings.com backslash sportbook for full terms and conditions. Welcome back in here. Sharp money Tuesday edition. Mike Samich filling in here for Patrick Maher. We've got a mall shot. Dustin Sweetelson back at the South point. And now we're going to talk a little bit of football. We got Emery hunt, CBS sports, HQ football analyst. You can find him at F ball game there on Twitter. Emery. How's it going, man? Doing great, man. I appreciate you guys. Bring me on. Yeah, of course. So looking forward to talking some NFL here, but before we do, we got to let you puff your chest out a little bit. 15 and five in the CFL. 15 and five in the CFL, 25 and 18 in the XFL, 23 and 20 in the USFL. So what, 65 and 43 overall spring and summer? That's pretty amazing, man. <laughs> That's pretty good. You bet. You can still. You don't need the NFL and college football around to be able to make some money on the pigskin. I love it. Let's uh, let's jump into the NFL real quick. I'm gonna let them all ask his question. We know he's gonna come at us with some NFC West talk, but let's start with the NFC North here. Uh, I have a bet on the Packers plus 550 to win the division. It seems like you agree that this team's being criminally underrated right now, especially with how many question marks you have in the rest of that division. 
Right, and that's the team I have winning the division. I have the Packers winning the NFC North. I feel like people are sleeping on the fact that Jordan Love has been in this offense for four years as a stable of options up front and in the backfield. Two good running backs, good weapons at receiver that he has played with and grown with. And they drafted Dontavious Wicks out of Virginia. Big fan of him. They brought in two tight ends, excellent tight ends, um, to help him out as well. And his defense has great personnel at all three levels. So I feel like people are sleeping on continuity, being king, and both not only the quarterback, but also this coaching staff wants to show everybody, hey, man, this wasn't all about Aaron Rodgers. We can coach football. We can play football. So I like them to win that division. It's interesting. Uh, so I'm assuming, look, I agree with you from a talent standpoint. You guys are both correct. Green Bay is being slept on. I think Detroit's getting a ton of hype. But when you look at Jordan Love, just give me a gauge, Emery, of where you kind of see him. He's going to be a guy that comes in. I like the point you made. He's been in the system for a long time. But is he someone that could potentially lead them in situations where it's needed? Because that was the one thing with Rodgers you always felt comfortable and confident with. Yeah, I feel like he can do so. I feel like he is someone that wants to do it. And he showed it briefly in that game he stepped in for him against Philadelphia. They went right down the field and put the ball in the end zone. They had trouble scoring the ball that game until he got in. And I feel like when you think about what he brings to the table, that level of confidence, and now having that benefit of the run game, if you can't run the football and play good run defense in the NFC North, it's going to look like the old NFC Central. You're not going to be able to win games. I think because Green Bay can do both of those things this upcoming season, I feel like that's going to give him a better chance to succeed. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the NFC East here. The two headlining teams in that division, you got Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys. I think everyone agrees they're going to finish first or second in some order inside of that division. Two of the plays that you like here is the Giants under seven and a half and the Commanders over six and a half. Kind of correlated plays there because if the Commanders go over, they're going to have to beat the Giants a couple times. Let us know. Tell us why you like the Commanders over and the Giants under. They're the same exact team, different coats of paint. Ryan Rivera is 3-3-1 three, three, and one against three different coaches of the New York Giants, but pretty much a lot of the same personnel that's been on this roster. So for me, if the Giants are just how they are right now with a Saquon Barkley out there, let's say he's out there, they still have questions in the passing game. I know they've made some improvements, but they still have a team full of number twos and number threes at receiver. So if you're a team that, that can not only get to the quarterback, but also trust your back end to cover, you can essentially take away some of their wide receivers and make things tougher for Daniel Jones, who doesn't want to make the big mistake. So it tends to yield him holding the ball and taking some sacks. So I feel like they kind of can split and Washington is going to be better because they're built just like the Giants. Great defensive line. I love their secondary. I think they have a better secondary more so than the Giants do. Giants, I feel like, have better linebackers, uh, in my opinion, than do Washington. Giants old line may be slightly better. They have a better backfield depth across the board, but Washington now has Sam Howard quarterback, Eric Bieniemy calling the plays, and they have the better receivers in Washington. So you can see where both teams could end up with seven wins and cancel each other out. I completely agree with you on your take on the Giants. Look, they had a good year, but they had some wins. Randy Bullock misses the kick in Tennessee early in the season. You played some bad teams in terms of the victories that they had against the Houston Texans. They tied the Commanders. Commanders were playing without quarterback. And talent-wise, guys, I think Washington is just a better football team minus the quarterback position. And, and Daniel Jones, to me, boy, you talk about getting a lot of love for one game because Minnesota can't stop the run. I think I might be the only person in the world who likes that Daniel Jones contract. And it's, it's because I, I trust the coaching staff. If they're willing to pay him that money, I believe that, that they think they can make Daniel Jones into that guy. So we'll see how that pans out. I didn't hate that contract though. Amal. Emory, you're unaware. Mike is his agent. 
<laughs> there's, there's nobody could like this contract, but let's forget about that. Let's go to, I know you guys both like Seattle. I do not. Before you give me the breakdown of why both you guys like Seattle, I'm going to tell you one play, though, I do like with the Hawks this year. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm going to tell you right now, this kid's going to have a chance to make 100 catches. There is nobody in the slot that's going to be able to stop him. He is one of the best guys at getting off of coverage. I think he's going to be unbelievable. And you know what's funny about that? Imagine him being your third option. That's the crazy part because now you have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, his third, your th- their third option is better than your number one corner, and sometimes your number two corner. So it's going to be a problem. But what does that do? It opens things up for their run game, and now they've doubled down and tripled down in the backfield to add to Kenneth Walker. They bring in Zach Charbonnet. They bring in a uh, homeboy from Georgia. I want to say his name slips my mind, but he's going to be their third receiver, their third back. They got to catch football and also, uh, you know, return kicks. So they got better up front. They got better on defense. And I think they were a year ahead. I liked them last year, and they ended up making the playoffs. But this team was a year ahead with the youth that they have had starting at both tackle spots. Now those two guys will be in their second season. And those two young players, and Kobe Bryant and also Tariq Woolen, they're going into their second season. You hope to get a healthy Jamal Adams. This team is more mature and better on both sides going into this season. So, yes, that's why I like them to win that division. Mike, I, I agree with him in the sense of the running game. You're talking about Kenny McIntosh, who I really liked out of UGA. McIntosh. I, I think this team could be good. I, I hear the point, but give me one more argument before I counter both of you here. Well, I, I think this defense is criminally underrated right now. You get Witherspoon in the draft. You had four defensive starters that were rookies last year. It's a, a known fact that you have that rookie wall that you hit when you're a defensive player. And if you look at their defensive ratings before and after week 13, you saw that slide start to happen for the Seattle team. Now those players who are rookies last year are all going to be second year players this year. That should help them out a lot. Love Witherspoon as the off ball cornerback as well. He's got a shutdown guy who's now your number two cornerback. I think that's a huge add. You add Wagner in the middle. So you add that veteran person. You add the run stopping ability at middle linebacker. I think, think that's a huge help. And oh, by the way, let's look at the schedule. They get to take on San Francisco two plus spots. They have to they play at home on a short week and they play off a, a semi long week. So you get 10 days rest before San Francisco and then San Francisco has to go play you on a short week on Thursday night in Seattle. So you have an edge in both games from a rest perspective and home field advantage against the two San Francisco games. I think the Seattle team who doesn't have any question marks and improved is better than San Francisco, who has a ton of question marks at quarterback, and other than that, is returning the same team. Well, okay, great points you make there in terms of the schedule, but let's break down the Seattle team from last year. Nine wins, four of them came against the Rams and the Cardinals. I think Ed Georgia could have beaten a couple of those teams last year. On top of it, you mentioned the 49ers. In six halves of football against San Francisco last year, they played well in the first half against San Francisco in the playoff game. In the first game they played in SF, they had an 86-yard field goal block return for a touchdown. In the other game, they were trailing 21-3, to got a late Jake uh, Myers field goal, and then a touchdown around garbage time. They were really never in that football game. They get dominated thoroughly in terms of the second half by the Niners. I understand and appreciate your point on the quarterback play, but the one thing we realized with San Francisco, they have arguably five to six guys in the National Football League, for my money guys, that are the best individuals at their position. CMC, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. And then you add in Hargrave from Philadelphia, who's as good as anybody on the defensive line. Eric Armstead's going to be healthy. I can appreciate what you guys are saying. I still have question marks about Geno Smith. I love the point Emery made about the receivers. They're absolute dudes. I, I think Tyler Lockett has been criminally underrated his whole career. 
Uh, Tyler Lockett over yards is a, a, to me a lock this year. He's sitting, I think, like 756 is his over under on the yard side. I think he's going way over it. Amory, tell them all why he's wrong here. We're winning this division. How what are we going to go? 12 and 5, somewhere in there. That'll get the job done. I don't think San Francisco's as good as they are last year. Well, he makes great points about the talent on both sides, which is why people like San Francisco, but quarterback question marks at the start of the season is going to push them back to where now they're going to be playing from behind in terms of like the, in terms of win. So that's going to be the biggest thing for me, because you don't want to throw out a unhealthy Brock Purdy, who also had a lot of drop interceptions. You don't want to throw out Sam Darnold, who throws a catchable interception. And you don't know what you're going to get from Trey Lance, who does <laughs> a great job at just playing consistent ball, but he can't stay healthy. So if they can't figure that out within the first quarter of the season, I feel like if they lose two games or three games, that puts them behind Seattle, who can get off to a great start. Emery's right on Sam Darnold. You talk about a turnover machine. It's going to be trouble there up there. Emery, thank you very much for joining us. CBS Sports HQ football analyst. You can find him at FBallGame over on Twitter. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Follow, Thanks, follow guys. his CFL picks. He's on fire. No kidding. All right, we'll be right back. More sharp money on the other side of the break. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back here to Sharp Money, rolling into the third hour. Mike Samich filling in for Patrick Maher. We got Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson back there in Las Vegas, and I am pumped for our next guest here, Max Brown, joining us from the Pac-12 Network at Max Brown Four on Twitter. A wonderful Twitter follow. We'll get into some of those videos that I absolutely love from you, Max. Uh, you played quarterback for USC from 2013 to 2016 at Pittsburgh in 2017. You were the number one recruit in the 2013 class. I want to start there because I will never be the number one recruit in anything in my life. What was it like in that recruitment process? And how early did you start getting letters in schools that came at you? 
Yeah, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. And it's uh, cool to get that question because I feel like nowadays, being a decade removed, uh, it's not that's not always the uh, the intro I get. I get the uh, the first two first two points you talked about, but it was crazy. Um, it was a totally different era than it is now, which is crazy. I mean, I'm only 28 years old, but the whole recruiting landscape was way different back then. Social media was not part of my recruitment, but uh, I got my first offer from the hometown school, University of Washington. I think we lost Max there, but hopefully, hopefully we can get him back in a second there. But uh, Mike, I love your question. This is a guy who won the three. He won three straight state titles. Was twice the Gatorade Player of the Year uh, up in I think where was he? It's Sahamish or Sammamish? I, I'm sure I butchered the name there. Whichever school he was at there, up in uh, uh, Sammamish. I think uh, Matisse Thibel is from there as well. But you, you're absolutely right. That's a great question. Hopefully we can get him back on to hear the rest of his answer there. It would be. I think we got Max yeah. back here. Max, do we have you? You got me. Yeah, okay. sorry. No, not sure what happened right. there. But, uh, yeah, to finish what I was saying, just got the hometown offer from uh, the University of Washington, which the head coach was Steve Sarkeesian at the time. And then, funny enough, two years later, I ended up playing for him at USC. So, things came full circle. Max, <laughs> let's talk about the Trojans right now. Obviously, Caleb Williams, all the hype, justifiably so, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. This offense is electric. Uh, the young kid, Zion Branch, for people that are not familiar with him, I'm sorry, Zachariah Branch. His brother Zion's on the defensive side of the ball. But this kid's going to be unbelievable. I think this USC offense can be great. But here's my problem with the Trojans. I don't know if Lincoln Riley is best friends with Alex Grinch or why this guy continues to be the defense coordinator there. This, to me, is the problem with the Trojans. How do you see USC, and particularly on the defensive side of the ball this year? I think first and foremost, the depth there on the front seven especially is going to be night and day different. I think last year you saw that, hey, they're, maybe their starting edge rusher was a notable player, but the second that you got into the backup or the second that that starter got injured, that's where USC got decimated. And as a result, they had to put their entire defensive structure around Tuli Tuifolotu, who was a popular name in the NFL draft. Obviously, he's gone, and they're going to have to replace him. But I think scheme-wise, they're probably going to be um, very much the same, which I know is of the concern to some USC fans, but I think just the overall talent, and depth will uh, will certainly help USC. I expect the defense to be better. And, I, I mean, I know a lot of folks out west have the Alex Grinch memories from his days at Washington State where they were, you know, one of the most productive off, uh, defenses uh, in, in, the, in the country. And, obviously, it's been a, a few years ago. But you saw glimpses of that last year. But this will no doubt be a huge year for Alex Grinch. They've got to take a huge step because we saw it in the uh, Cotton Bowl a year ago. The defense is the Achilles heel for USC, and if that's the case this year, they're uh, they're not going to make the playoff, which I know is the goal for uh, for most USC fans. And they did a phenomenal job in the transfer portal. Ended up getting the number one defensive tackle from uh, from Georgia, Bear Alexander, in that portal, as well as the number one offensive lineman from Wyoming. So we're able to retool on the fly there. I think these six defensive players they added through the transfer portal, uh, specifically in that front seven, which you mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do. This is a phenomenal year to be a Pac-12 analyst. There are so many different storylines. You've got Washington. You've got Bo Nix. But let's talk about Deion Sanders in Colorado a little bit here. The total for Colorado opened at four. That's been bet down pretty drastically. I think it's sitting at three, juice to the under right now for a win total. What do you expect from this program in year one of the Deion Sanders era? Man, it's, that's the that's the guessing game of all guessing games. I mean, it, it's it's remarkable for me. I had their spring game a year ago, and just where that program's come over the course of a calendar year, it's 
it's unheard of, and obviously it's well well documented on uh, on all all sports talk and uh, and college football shows. But I do think that number of that three to four win number is appropriate. Which, um, as we all know, Vegas uh, Vegas is usually spot on with those things. But I think if you were just a national college football fan, you might be shocked by that number, expecting it to be much higher, especially with all the headlines that Colorado has. But it is going to be difficult to find. To, to, to come by wins in the Pac-12 this year because you can go down the conference and you can find a way to really get excited, really excited about the, really the, the, the top 10 teams. I think Stanford and Cal are going to have an uphill battle this year, but every other team, you can find a way why they can be an eight-win team, why they can be the surprise team in the conference, or you know, there's a good five teams in the conference that can make a legitimate argument that they should be the favorites to win the conference championship. Um, Oregon State being the fifth there, which might be a stretch to some, but don't say that to an Oregon State fan. That uh, that was a team that was really impressive last year and returns a ton of talent. So it's going to be hard to find wins. And when you look at Colorado's schedule, that first half of the uh, of the year with the out-of-conference games, PCU and Nebraska, and then their first two conference games are USC and, uh, and Oregon. It's going to be tough for uh, Coach Prime to get wins. I think they'll be awfully competitive. I think they'll be leaps and bounds better than last year. But I do think that uh, that three or four win number is uh, is appropriate. Yeah, it's a great point you make there. We're talking to Max Brown, Pac-12 Network analyst, former college football player. Max, I want to ask you about what, to me, is the best coach in the league, which is Kyle Whittingham. His team returns eight starters on defense. You bring back your quarterback uh, and, of course, a couple of key offensive pieces there. I'm talking about Cam Rising coming back. Tell me where you see this team going for a third straight Pac-12 title. I thought the performance we saw in the second half by them against USC in Los Angeles was tremendous. I'm sorry, in Las Vegas. Yeah, the, yeah, the Utes are uh, Utes have been mainstays in the pack, and um, it feels like now they're they're getting the the rightful credit nationally as well. And I think to me, the first question is Cam Rising's health. Um, from what I understand, he did not participate in spring ball, and that knee is going to be. Um, that he had uh, surgically repaired is going to be something that's front of mind even going into fall camp. And I think it was a huge win that Utah got Andy Ludwig, their offensive coordinator, back. There was rumors, if uh, listeners recall, that he was going to jump to Notre Dame back in uh, January and February. Luckily, the youth got him back, and that's huge from a camaraderie standpoint. But Rising's health, you lost uh, Kincaid to the NFL. Brent Keithy will be back, which will be a huge – he's the other tight end that – probably would have also been a first or second round pick if he stayed healthy and keep, and keep an eye on him as far as the 2024 NFL draft. But there are some health concerns, some, you know, where, where's the receiver room at, you know, where's the running back position room at you lose Tavion Thomas, they're starting running back who'd been there for a while. So I think Utah, if we've learned one thing, Utah's going to reload, they're going to be a very good football team. But to my earlier point, Oregon's there, Washington's there, USC's there, Oregon State's there. Not going to be an easy climb for, uh, for, for Utah, but I've learned one thing since uh, covering this comp- starting to cover this conference five years ago. Don't bet against Kyle Whittingham and his, uh, his bunch. It's tough to go in there in Utah and get a W. This is a really deep conference this year. I don't think people understand, and you've outlined multiple teams here who are going to be good football teams in this spot. It's been a struggle to get a team to the playoffs for the Pac-10 or Pac-12. I'm sorry, they, they've not been able to do so for a while. USC seems like the logical pick to be able to try and make that run this year. Do you think there's going to be a team in the playoffs this year from the Pac-12? And if it's not USC, 
who else could jump up there and get into the playoff? Man, I hope so, because it feels like nationally that's what people latch on to in, in terms of the overall narrative with the conference is, oh, you can't get someone in, can't get someone in. And, and this year, I could, I mean, you're going to have five teams ranked inside of the top 15 to start the year, most likely, or at least top 16, top 17. So the quality is going to be there. There's going to be some really good football played out West. But again, with the nine conference game schedules, I think it's going to be hard to have a team go completely unscathed. And if a team gets in, my bet is it's going to be a one-loss team, um, just given the strength of the conference. But if it's not USC, keep your eye on Washington and Oregon, and in large part because of the quarterback play. You have Bo Nix, who, you know, he's been around forever, and you have a lot of talent coming back for Oregon. It'll be interesting to see how they reload defensively and the steps that Bo Nix can take. But then for Washington, we have yet to see Michael Penix play with a full off season of no injuries, of no position battles, of – nothing but confidence, and that's what I'm excited for um, up in the Northwest. I mean, Michael Penix largely regarded as that number two quarterback going into the year behind Caleb Williams, and rightfully so. He also got his offensive coordinator back, um, who was maybe going to jump ship to buddy up with, uh, with Coach Saban, but to get him back is huge. I think I'd expect Michael Penix to have a huge year and uh, keep an eye on the Huskies as maybe being a, a team that could sneak in there as well. Mike, I like your call. Excuse me, Max. I like your call on this team offensively with Michael Penix there. Uh, just talk a little bit about this receiving core. For my money, probably the second best receiving core in the country outside of Ohio State when you look at Odunzie and, of course, Polk and McMillan. These guys are absolute dudes on the perimeter. And it's hard to find who that top guy is. And that's always fun to me. I'm a big X's and O's guy. Is, you know, every defensive coordinator, I think, nets out differently with that question. Roma Dunze. Might look, might look the best coming off the bus, and he also has the, the blonde hair, so he sticks out for sure. And I'm sure NFL guys really like his stature and whatnot. He's more of that true X receiver. But you have McMillan in the slot who gave Oregon fits, who was kind of their big play guy, and he's a mismatch for a lot of linebackers because he is tall and long, but, you know, can be quick and that slot type guy. And so that's the beauty with the Washington offense. You can't focus on one guy. I left out Jalen Polk there. Um, he's a very viable third option, and I'm sure if he heard me say that, he'd be like, hey, I'm the number one guy, and that's really what the Huskies bring to the table. And um, It's a loaded passing attack. Their offensive coordinator is an absolute stud. I think it'll be, it'll just be interesting because this was an offense that was atrocious two years ago. They came back at a huge year last year. How do, they, how do they show up in 2023 with a lot of expectations? That'll be the big question for me. Thank you very much, Max. Really appreciate it. You can find Impact 12 Network Analyst at Max Brown 4 on Twitter. We'll be right back with more Sharp Money here shortly. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.